listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from WoW Dogs, and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, October 26th. And I've got with me, same as usual, Drew from World of Maticus as well as Way of the Totem. And for our second Rickless episode, which we've been enjoying greatly, let me tell you, we've got another guest co-host joining us. So we've got Simodian joining us. And actually, I'll let you give us a little bit, very brief little history about you because you've got your blog that you've been doing. How long have you been doing the blog? I've been blogging all together for a little over a year. Massive Nerd has been going since about July is when I switched focus from pure wow over to more general blogging. Right. And how are you finding that change kind of with your audience and whatnot? Because you would have you would have gathered more of a loyal wow following beforehand. Now it's a little bit of everything. How are you finding they're appreciating that? Well, my audience as a whole has probably dropped off a bit, but I don't care about it. I mean, I write the blog for me. I'm shocked anybody wants to read it but just being able to write what i want to talk about when i want to talk about it has just been very freeing for me personally right and in terms of gaming so obviously you're not playing quite as much well then if you are if you've diversified your blog to include other games as well oh yeah i'm currently wow less but i've got a lot of ion going on right now uh, i have my xbox 360 uh, i got some borderlands coming up tomorrow as a matter of fact so i got all kinds of stuff going on Right. And where do you see your uh, most of your attention going for the next little while? Is it going to be Borderlands or still going to be Aeon? I'm going to try and split it pretty evenly, kind of depending on how much time I have, you know, after writing a blog article, see where I want to invest my time for the night. And how far have you gotten into Aeon right now? I just reached level 20, about uh, finished off Alt Guard. Right. And you're playing what? I am a chanter, just like Rick, because he tries to be like me in all ways. I was ways. just going to say, you pretty much idolize him, don't you? No, no, it's the other way around. He was dead set on playing a gladiator or a templar or whatever the hell he was going to play until we were playing beta together, and he saw me kicking all kinds of ass on my chanter, and he decided he wanted to roll one. <laughs> that being said, though, he's leveled quite a bit higher than you, so I don't know at this point who wants to be more like the other guy. Um it's it's interesting that like like we talked about too with Rick how many chanters you're seeing right now it is a fairly powerful class to play however again at, at 20 you haven't gotten to a lot of the grinding that occurs later on I don't know if you're finding the grinding quite as bad on the chanter because there is that grind to the the higher teens to mid 20s is not that much fun either I don't know how you're finding it on the chanter I had absolutely no grinding whatsoever to get to 20 so I don't know maybe it's just the way I play but I'm at almost 21, and I still have a couple quests to do out in Alt Guard. Like I got from 19 to like 20 and change doing the uh, the Black Claw campaign quests. So I really haven't seen any grind at all. Well, that's surprising because on my, I guess on the cleric more than the the ranger because your ranger hasn't gotten that high yet. But on the cleric, I have literally had to grind because I've got some quests, but then there's some quests too that I simply could not solo. And I'm finding that a lot more with the game too, where they're they're forcing you to group group up a lot more. And, and it's not that I'm 
I'm that antisocial, <laughs> depending on who you ask. <laughs> but I like being able to do shit on my own. And I like that if I want to, I can just go off and level on my own. And it's not that the cleric takes that long, really, to, to kill things. It's just that I'm finding that there's certain quests that I just... In case in point, the, the Black Claw stuff... You can't really solo that shit, but you can't progress unless you do it, which is like forcing people to do stockades in WoW. You know, you can't progress until you finish stockades. I don't know that I'm, I am I agree with that kind of forced leveling or questing, I should say. Well, it's not like it requires an entire group of six people. I mean, I went through it with myself, a gladiator and a spirit master, and we knocked it out in no time. So it's not like it really forces you to sit around in LFG and try and find, you know, that, oh, you can't do it without a cleric. So we got to sit here and wait for one to show up. The options are there. You can get it done anyway. But but I like doing it by myself. (laughs) I don't want to have friends. I just want to do it by myself. So, but yeah, it, it's, again, I, I know what you're saying. We, I, I went through um, the uh, the BC stuff a couple of times and each time with a different group configuration. And so some of it was a larger group that worked very well together. And at that point, we just ripped through that shit like nobody's business. But then in another group, you had people who had no clue what they were doing, a, a ranger that wasn't shooting most of the time and so it took forever and we wiped a couple of times and you shouldn't be wiping in that shit it's it's not that hard but so again it's it's one of those things though that you can't progress unless you get it done i come from uh my first mmo was final fantasy 11 where you could not do a single thing after level 12 without five other people you could not level you could not do quests you could barely go and mine some places without a full group so and then going to wow where you could do almost anything by yourself especially now so ion is a nice middle ground between the two and especially in a game like this that's so focused on having your legion together and like your inter you know your small community of players i like that they require small grouping here and there but see it's more than just small grouping so you mentioned the legion that's oh I, I wish rick was on for this because rick and i are in the same legion and talk about a clusterfuck of trying to merge legions with another legion he will appreciate this when he listens to this because for, for just a, a, a word of warning, you know, for anybody who's thinking of merging legions and whatnot, because the thing is, is that NCSoft is really screwing casual players, I believe, because they're making it where in if you want to progress where it, where you have to have groups in the abyss, you're doing it in within your legion most of the time. So you need a good, powerful legion that has a lot of members that work very well and that are driven to work together. So there goes the asshattery of wanting to just play by yourself. That ain't going to happen. you got to work as a team and be organized and everything else. On top of that, because of the way that the legions are made wherein you have to pay and everything else, they don't encourage you to be alt-friendly and to have a variety of characters that you just like to fart around on. Because again, that's that's going to cost money. So there goes the casual player. Okay, we're back. Sorry for the technical difficulties. We were talking about uh, Ion and the grind and whatnot. And then we we're talking about the Legion problems that we were having. Rick and I were working on merging Legions. And just as, again, a, a, a service to any Legion leaders, make sure that you organize beforehand and make sure that you 
communicate everything to who you are merging with because clusterfucks do occur. I've I've merged guilds in WoW, fairly large guilds that were progressing rapidly and having a lot of fun. And it wasn't like this. This was just a mess of people not knowing what the fuck is going on. And it was a pain in the ass. But again, we've gotten to a point where in because of the problems with WoW, because of how you it doesn't encourage people to be casual that we're finding that if we don't merge our tiny little guild that's more about having fun we're going to come up against some very serious problems later on when we get to the mid-20s into the abyss and basically getting our ass handed to us by the Elias all the time so again at level 20 you're probably not seeing that as much but like what uh, what's the size of your guild uh we have a, a fairly small legion i mean we have it's all couple of bloggers that I, I work with we got it was put together by uh Fulgurales and Fubar out of killing them slowly so we can, invited a bunch of friends they have some of their friends from uh, other games so we're pretty small but hey you, I, I feel you get out of the game what you put into it so we're happy with where we're at right now yeah the, the thing is and I agree with you completely in that regard and I haven't personally reached that point yet where it's going to be an issue. However, from what I understand, it does become a fairly serious issue once you get into your mid-20s and you basically are needing those groups to progress and do anything. So I, what level are you at now, Joe? Uh, just hit 13 last night. Oh, Jesus. Um, he doesn't even count. Yes. Slow uh, down there, Speedy. But I, actually, but I actually do have something to add in on that because... Um, my guild leader in WoW, who's also the Legion commander, has pretty much stopped playing right now because he hit about 30. And until everybody's up to the same level, he can't go any further. Yeah. And, I mean, he's, he's hit the brick wall, and I've seen it happen. So, like, he's just on, he's on, he's like, uh, I can't do anything else. Okay, I'll talk to you guys later. And see, that's where I'm finding, well, right now I'm not playing that much WoW. I haven't been playing for several weeks now. And then I was playing Ion and I can already tell that there's going to be a lot of points where I'm going to log in and not be able to do anything. So, which leads us to Torchlight because yes. <laughs> I uh, I got a review copy of Torchlight, which I'm going to be reviewing for, uh, for the lore. So you're going to see a very nice long review with a metric fuck ton of screenshots from it. I picked it up now for people who don't know, and I'm not going to make this a huge discussion about it because in coming shows, we are going to have huge discussions and quite likely a very special guest as well. But for those who don't know, the um, the dev team behind this is Runic Games. And Runic Games, it was created from the boys who brought us Diablo and Diablo 2. And even though um, some of the other games were not actually released, the potential behind them was fairly huge. We're not going to talk about Hellgate, but there were other projects in the work <laughs> that would have fared much better had they been able to actually complete them so there's a lot of really solid groundwork there in terms of the 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 dev team and what they can do and what they've proven they can do so which brings us to torchlight now torchlight is a small game because the the release time for it was fairly fast and they had a small team working on it so don't expect a huge huge game but that being said as well it only costs twenty dollars and in fact it's being sold for a little less than that on steam for twenty yeah seventeen bucks isn't it yep for for seventeen bucks 
<laughs> you simply cannot go wrong. I cannot speak highly enough about this little game. If you enjoyed D2, and as I've said before, if you didn't, stop listening. Drop the, the earphones and get the fuck out. Leave. I don't ever want to talk to you again. But if you enjoyed D2 in the day, you will love torchlight it has that same familiar feel i won't use previous analogies i've used because apparently don't they don't please everybody but it feels comfortable but it, it's something that you will remember and be be all warm and fuzzy about as you play it's fantastic okay the 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 gameplay and the game mechanics behind them are very very similar to wow i mean there's even town portals you're you're slapping up town portals before boss fights you are you have your scroll of identifications you have so much that is the same as d2 so it's going to feel familiar but they've updated shit too it's not like they just ripped d2 because it's not really a rip it's their own fucking design they just improved on it for this game the game doesn't have the same level of darkness that you get from diablo but i mean that diablo universe there's so much to it so that's part of it you know what i mean and that's what works for it and we're gonna have shows specifically for diablo that's how much it it, it warrants the attention torchlight's not up to that yet but there there's very good storylines there's very good questing the the mechanics behind it in terms of it being random dungeons that you go into random encounters and whatnot is is good it doesn't bore you they've tossed in extra things like you have you have your own pack mule except it's either a dog or a cat that'll carry shit for you fight for you has spells that you can give it plus some armor kind of stuff plus you can send it when your bags are full you can send it to town with whatever you want to vendor off and it'll come back in a couple of minutes and then you could fill it up again and send it back so you don't have to leave the dungeon there's a lot of things like that with it wherein they've really improved on existing game mechanics and it works it works so well and then there's three different classes that you can play which again a lot of people are thinking well three classes is really not a lot you got your main tank kind of class you got a ranger type class and you got a mage type class but the thing is is that they've designed the skill trees which again which is kind of like talent trees for wowers out there but if you're again in d2 you'll know what i'm talking about they've designed the skill trees wherein it's not about chain skilling where you need five points in skill a to be able to unlock skill b at level 10 no at level 10 you can choose any of the level 10 skills in any of the talent trees so what this does is it really really opens up the amount of different specs you can have per class and when you're looking at the the tank spec the warrior spec um you would think that your options are fairly limited in terms of just how much you can do with the, the class. But it's insane. I mean, you can have a magic dealing warrior that can summon these ghosts, these phantasm ghosts or whatever the fuck they're called, and then have him more magic related. Or you can have him more as a magic fine character because I don't believe the option is on the ranger uh, class but on the, um, the 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 warrior class, you can actually have as well, as their last level or last skill is has higher chance of finding magic items. So there's a lot that they're doing with this that will enable you to excuse me 
have such a variety of specs per class that I can easily see myself rolling two, three different warriors, and they'll each be different. And then they're really pushing for an alt-friendly game wherein you are going to be able to um, have a, a common stash instead of just, you know, old the two days of creating a game and dropping all... Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> dropping all your shit down, logging off, logging in with your other guy to pick it all up. Um, common stash, and then they've got different things where in um, you can eventually retire a character and bestow upon your your other characters extra th- shit. I don't know, I haven't retired a character, so I don't know what that all involves. Um, nothing appears that I've found yet, and I've found the highest level items in terms of quality. I've found like yellow items uh although i haven't found any set items but i found the yellow items and there's no um there's no soul binding binding so you can have a a warrior say weapon that is i should stop saying warrior you got your destroyer your your vanquisher and your your alchemist you can get your your destroyer item that you use from level, you know, 1 to 10, but then after that, instead of just vendoring it off, slap it in the common stash. If you ever t- decide that you want a different type of warrior, vanquisher, you can use it again, or destroy, I should say. There's so much going on with this game that they did very well. The, the, the graphics are quite a bit cartoony, so that loses some of that darkness to it, but again, you have so much atmosphere, and the questing is really has a, a fantastic atmosphere to it, and then there's the music, which, if you close your eyes, you are listening to the D2 music. Uh, I would hazard to say it's a little too much like the D2 music, but I mean, part of that is because they got the same composer to do the songs. And he did uh, over a dozen songs for Torchlight, original songs. However, and it's Matt, either Yulman or Ullman. I find that some of the songs are way, way, way too similar to Diablo. And though that's kind of cool to listen to and really adds a nice feel to the game, I find that what happens is that, see, if I made a game, I would like it so that when people are playing the game and they hear that music, it they know it as my music, not as a ripoff of another game. And unfortunately, that's what's happening here is that you hear it and you think Diablo instead of thinking Torchlight, which again, is it's nice. It brings back those memories, but I think it would have served them better to have something a little bit more original. And then on top of that, they're including, like that's the thing too, like it can be endless dungeons, always changing, different monsters, different shit, Lots of quests to, to keep you busy. They're including a world editor. And the editor that they're giving you so that you can mod the game is the actual one that they use to create the game. So the power in it is unbelievable. Like there's a ton of power to do whatever you want in terms of your own levels. And they've even said if you can create your own 3D animations for characters and whatnot, you can actually insert that in as well. So the game is full of win. You, you, I mean, again, for 20 bucks, you cannot beat this game right now in terms of value and just plain fun. For those of you listening, just so you know, it is available tomorrow, October 27th. So feel free to, feel free to, to watch it and, and hit the button to buy it. I oh, feel yeah. I got my $20 worth just sitting here listening to you talk about the game. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I, can I can I say one thing that Roger you didn't quite say yet? Shoot. There, there's kind of an there's an important part about this game too. It, it is twenty dollars and it is it does seem like a very small game, 
um, but it is very moddable. It's a framework. It's a very big framework that they're looking to build upon in the future. If you go to their website and check it out, it's all over the place. This is the first step of many that they're looking to take. So I'm looking so forward to this world and seeing how it develops. Well, the thing is, too, is they're talking MMO. So yep. that's the thing. They're they're not looking. They're looking at this as the first step to see how well it's received, how well it does. But the talks have already been made with the people in power to develop this into an MMO. So if all goes well, that's where it's heading. So they're going to twenty four months, I think, right? I, I that I don't know. But yeah, so they're looking towards making this an MMO. Will it work as an MMO? Well, they've already got good ideas for what to do with it, how to improve it and whatnot. They would have to increase the size of the world because, I mean, this is obviously takes place in Torchlight, the, the, the mining town of Torchlight. So it's basically going to have to grow well beyond just that, which... By the very introduction of mounts like they're talking about and things like that, obviously they know that and they're working on it. But they would involve a lot of work. That being said, does it have the legs to actually be a good MMO? Well, there's a lot of things working for it. Not just what I've already described, but also that A, it's going to be a free-to-play MMO, which right then and there, you've got me. And then they'd have to really look at what they're going to do in terms of how much they're going to add for an MMO. They're already talking PvP system and different things like that. So as long as they don't bite off too much, like that team did with Hellgate kind of shit, then yeah, we're looking at a very good, strong contender for a fun-to-play MMO. Is it going to come close to what Diablo is looking at doing with Diablo 3? No. In my opinion, no. However, they're two different types of games in what they're doing. They're two, two very different IPs. Diablo is a much richer universe and it's got a big history, a very long history that with gamers, you know, we're, we're talking like decades here. And I don't think Torchlight has that ability yet. Whether they can really, really sink you in with very rich gaming from there and questing and whatnot, I could be proven wrong. They may very well be able to. It's it, it, the potential is definitely there, and the team is there to make it happen. So I'm, I'm very interesting to, interested to see what they can do with this, especially considering, again, this little $20 game. I, I Jesus, I played it for hours yesterday, and then my youngest son was playing it as well. I, I made a destroyer and had a blast. I didn't make him hardcore, but I made him the hardest difficulty right from there. Had an absolute blast. And it is tough as as a, a, a vanquish or yeah, destroyer at that hard difficulty level. He made the same level difficulty with a uh, destroyer, which is a ranger and he had a blast and it's a, the destroyers are very good class to play as well. And then just before the podcast, when I got home, I was dying to try an alchemist because yesterday I got my first gold item and it was a one for an alchemist. So I started the alchemist. Fuck man. It took everything I had to stop playing the game. I just couldn't stop. I was having so much fun and it was just a blast to play. It's, and that's the thing. It's fun. And I think even if, you didn't play D2, which shame on you if you didn't. But even if you didn't, you will easily be able to get into the spirit of this game and really have a lot of fun with it. One other thing real quick that I want to point out is the system requirements for the game. This thing has almost the same system requirements that Diablo 2 did, and that was 10 years ago. So now I can almost play this thing on my alarm clock. Yeah. So for someone like me who likes to just sit back some nights and you know goof around on my laptop that 
you know, is probably five years old, this game is perfect. Well, they've got an actual netbook option in the settings when you're setting the resolution and whatnot. They've got a netbook option, and they have said, too, that it can work on a netbook. They're actually working on a Mac client. That's one of the things that pisses yes. me off right now. Fuck, I wish I had that Mac client because that game on my MacBook, dude, I'd be on it all the time. I would be bringing my MacBook to the office and playing all the fucking time. I'd get my ass yeah. fired, but it would be worth it. So I'm really hoping that they follow through with that and actually put it out. But as it is, even just a little netbook will play this game. And and it does look good. It doesn't have the level of detail, obviously, that you'll find in a lot of higher-end games. But it wasn't made to be that. It had a very short developmental cycle and it had it didn't have a whole bunch of people working on it so again there's a lot that they can improve on it but even as the quirky little graphics that it is now it works it works very well and the the graphics in terms of the dungeons actually look very good they employ a lot of the shortcuts that wow uses for depth uh, uh, and everything else in terms of the graphics and i think that's and i think the gameplay and the graphics combined as well as the 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 small amount of system requirements are going to make this game a, a game that'll stay around for quite a little bit, especially at the $20 price mark. Can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to move on from there, and we're going to just br- go right into the, the, the news for the week. The um, This appeared to be the week wherein there were a lot of dev interviews. I don't know if all of a sudden everybody decided to call upon some devs to get some interviews, but there were just a bunch of them. And again, I don't know if it's a lot of the companies which are seeing that this is the gaming season and this is the season where tons of games are being released that that then means that they have to try to compete with that i mean you've got wow dev interviews you got star wars the old republic you got star trek online you've got champions online everybody's doing dev chats or producer chats so we're going to start with the wow one and i'm actually going to get uh, joe to go through that because you had some interesting things to say about it the first word that comes to mind when I start talking about the WoW developer chat is fail. Uh, the reason I'm going to say that is it, it, it went through a very interesting medium. They took questions through Twitter, uh, they created their own little hashtag, and were supposedly taking questions and answering them. Here's my problem with it. They didn't give us anything we didn't already know. Uh, it was pretty much fluff. It was shit that we've already seen on various no- websites, MMO Champion, uh, stuff that I've reported on myself at World of Maticus. And instead of giving us anything new, any new tidbits or answering any of the questions that were very interesting that I saw pop up, like, what's going to happen to Cal Tiras? What about all these places that we haven't explored yet? Do you have something planned? They ignored it and gave us a whole shit ton of fluff. Now, I will say that at the end of the developer chat, about two days later, Ghostcrawler popped on, made a forum post that gave me about ten times as much information in two responses than the entire, what was it, four hours of developer chat? Now, I'm not saying that it wasn't a good idea. It was a good idea. It was a very... It was an attempt to use the social media to its fullest. Good idea, boys. Poor on the execution. If I sit there and all I'm seeing are the same questions over and over and over again, it's really hard to get excited about what you guys are doing. They didn't make any mentions of anything else that's already changing in the game. They didn't talk about anything that's changing really that we haven't already heard about. Uh, case in point, there was a on the on the PTR forums, people are PTR realm, people are already seeing changes happening to the classic world. People are seeing like an Elwyn Forest diseased wolves. Did they give us any sort of, you know, 
even a wink, even an ambiguous answer that said, hey, we got, you know, keep watching, keep looking for things that are happening now. Nothing. All we got was the same stuff. And it made me very sad because I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to seeing questions and answers to things that haven't been asked yet as opposed to a scripted response. And they were. They were all very canned responses. And it made me very sad. See, the impression that I got too reading over it was that it wasn't so much that it was scripted so much as they cherry-picked the questions that they wanted to answer. And then, yeah, it was scripted only because it had already been covered before. And so they just basically respoke the same things that had already been said, picking the very easy questions and answering those. And in so much as it's great that they are trying to um, embrace a new social media that is important, Twitter's not the best one to choose, folks. I mean, you're really limited in what people can say just because of the character restrictions. So you're having it's it's hard to follow. There's a ton of 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 useless junk that people are 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 saying, which you can expect. And it was just again, I it was a poor implementation of what should have been a good moment for Bliss to actually kind of give you a little bit more to interest you because they do need to do that. I mean, case in point, just between the three of us, Vince and I are, are are not playing right now. And I know for a fact that Rick isn't playing that much now either. So they, they do have to worry about losing people to other games because we have some really good games that a just came out and more that are going to be coming out that are going to be even more dangerous for them. So something like this, it, this was not the time to fail. You're right. It absolutely wasn't, but unfortunately, they did. And like I, like you said, the intentions were great behind it, uh, but it was just it, it really was poor execution. When you do something like that, you need to have people that are running the interview, that are responding to these questions, that know how much information they're allowed to give, that know the answers to the odd questions, and are willing to take on slightly dangerous questions um, with you know that know how far they can push it without giving too much away and keep you interested in the product. I mean. If they had people responding, and I hate to say that, but I will go to Ghostcrawler again. I'm a Ghostcrawler fanboy. You get somebody like him who knows exactly how much information to give out, knows how to engage the community, it would have been fine. But you're giving these people uh, the ability to respond and answering questions that are just so – I I don't even want to blame them, but it's just they don't know how far they can go more than likely. They don't know what they can volunteer for information. And I think that's more where the cherry picking comes from is because they don't know what questions they can answer without getting in trouble with the bosses. One thing that really bothered me about it was when they chose to do it. It was at, what, like 5 p.m. Eastern on a Thursday afternoon? I mean, that means a lot of people are either on their way home from work or at work. So a lot of the people that were participating in this are – Let's face it, by and large, probably not the best and brightest if they're sitting at home on a Thursday afternoon or sitting on Twitter reading about World of Warcraft while they're at work. I mean, just look at some of these questions that they chose to answer. What will happen to Mancrick's wife? Come on. Or, oh, will Worgen have mounts? I can understand somebody asking it, but them actually picking one of those to answer, it really just bothered me. Like, they weren't even trying. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. And then from there, let's just actually bounce right to the Champions Online, which you got a little bit of a feel for how that went. Actually, a little bit more than just a little feel. This one I'm going to classify as a win. Uh, The reason I'm going to do this is because not only do they have a very sizable chunk of their developer team on this chat, 
they responded in live chat via a chat room with everybody that was able to join. Um, you logged in, you created a username, and they responded to your questions in real time. And they weren't talking like cherry-picking questions. They were answering some pretty interesting ones. Um, one of the biggest questions, one of the, my favorite reading over the, uh, the transcripts, was they asked about holiday events. And they asked, is it going to be the same thing every year like all these other games? And the first thing the, de the developer said, at least three of them, no, not anyway. We're going to try to make it as interesting as possible. We're going to try to change it as possible to keep people interested so it's not the same thing year in, year out. And, and that caught me. And if you could take that, that's pretty much the tone of the entire interview. They take these things and they're, they're talking about how they're going to distance themselves from other companies, uh, other games, because they're putting so much into it and they're really listening to their community. Personally, I love the game. I love Champions Online. I think it's a fantastic game. I think the art style is great. And to see developers react in real time with the people and i mean they did this for a while too i mean there was a couple hours worth of just them sitting there talking with people in real time and if you can go i mean you can do a, a google search for the dev chat there are some awesome things in there they start talking about implementing open pvp systems which they haven't really talked about they started talking about how they're balancing uh healing and healing aggro in the game which is something that really hasn't been a concern because most people just load up with five damage dealing people and go to town i mean it's good. It, I mean, I felt good reading this transcript. I felt like I'm, you know, this is a company who wants to improve themselves and is doing it the proper way. They're listening to the community. They're asking their question. They're the community that's asking questions and giving them what they need to develop a solid game that will be around for a while. It made me happy. Yeah, it really impressed me. I got to say, like it, it's even more sold me on this game that I wish I had time to play, because even what they said with, like you said, with the holiday events. I mean, come on, how many of us are honestly really doing halloween and world of warcraft for the fourth year in a row it's been basically the same thing oh, okay go farm the headless horseman until he drops whatever piece of gear he has so i'm really really want to play this game which and just to throw something out there real quick i don't know if any of you guys noticed they're actually making the game free to play this upcoming weekend you can download it and play all yep. weekend for free yep and it, it's I'm sorry, and it's important, too, because that is the start of their holiday event as of tomorrow. Exactly, yeah, that's the Blood Moon content that they're going to have in there, too, which is why I've actually been holding off after I heard that. I've been holding off on my trial because I want to give this a shot first, and then I'm going to do the trial. And just from what I keep reading and seeing from them, it's quite likely this might actually be my, my third MMO that I sign up for and, and keep that <laughs> that going, just because there's so much. And, and, and on top of that, the, the price dropped to $40. So that's a huge drop for it there. And then they're introducing new things too through the store where you can purchase things. New costumes have just been released as well, which that freaking metal robot shit thing. Yeah, what was that, man? God, Jeez. I want that. I'll pay, I'll pay for that. How much is that? So again, there's a lot of things. And from, from what I keep hearing from you as well and, and reading about, it just really, really looks like, it's not like they're trying to be the company that's going to take WoW down because they know that's no. not going to happen. But what it makes it appear like is that they want to be the guys, though, that are so in touch with their community that they give them what they want. They bust their asses for them and they make sure that the community knows it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a quick little story here about my love of superhero gaming. I started back with City of Heroes, and I was on the Freedom server, and I started a, a supergroup, the Uncanny X-Men. We were around from the beginning, from the beta on. We were the center point of the actual legal battle when Marvel sued Cryptic Studios. 
Um, and every single night, every night I logged into that game, there was at least three or four developers or people logging into the game, talking to us, telling us that they were sorry, talking about how they wanted to, you know, they wanted a game that would be something that would live on and, you know, working with us to try to find workarounds so that we didn't get sued personally. And it's the same developers that are putting out Champions Online. I love these guys. I'm sorry. I really, really do. Well, it is actually, again, we, we've spoken very highly of them, and I will be doing that, um, the Blood Moon content this weekend. I, I've i already got the, the game client all installed. I'll make sure that it's up to date, and I, I'm definitely going to give it a shot. I If I, I'm feeling as hyped about it as I have a feeling I will be based on everything you've been saying, I probably <laughs> will sign up. And uh, and so, yeah, I am looking forward to it. Moving on from there, we're going to touch on Ion right now. And as has happened, they um, they topped the sales charts for the U.S. for September, which considering how how badly they launched, which if you're not aware of this, just go back a couple of episodes and listen to Rick and I talking about it. Taking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Taking that all into consideration, they still top the fucking charts, man. And not just uh, top the charts, but they top the charts both for their, their regular um, version of the game, which came in at number one, and then number five was their collector's edition. Now, nice placing there for Champions Online too at number three, and I'm hoping that with the Ford dollar price drop that maybe they will come in second maybe even come in at first world of warcraft is only coming in at fourth with the the expansion pack but anyways getting back to the the ion it did top the charts and it is doing exceptionally well they got themselves a new community manager and that's something that I think we need to, um, they need to really step up their game in terms of keeping the community informed like we're talking about this with champions online and what we're getting with ion however is a lot of white noise you don't know what the fuck is going on patches drop without you knowing they're going to drop until literally the moment they drop and even then you're not always given all the details in terms of what's in the patch so that's something that they've said that they really need to step that up and so they got this new community manager and I don't know about you, Vince, I haven't noticed any difference. I, I really still feel a lot like we're in the cold, in the dark, in terms of knowing what the hell is going on with this game most of the time. You know when it's up, you know, because you can log in, you know when it's down, but not because they're suddenly saying so. We're the ones letting them know via Twitter Twitter that you can't get into certain realms. <laughs> like, hey, hey, by the way, Lumiel is down again. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, we'll look into it. Like, <laughs> seriously? Don't you have a big screen there letting you know what's going on? going on <laughs> yeah there should be lights red lights somewhere that somebody's monitoring when a server goes down but it should be like a big room like out of like war games or something with a giant just board of all the servers with a green light or a red light something that simple <laughs> yeah well we don't the, got that and the fact that they don't have that scares the shit out of me oh there's yeah. th there's so much with that developmental team that scares me like here we are talking about champions online and how much you love them and and how great they are with their community and literally i would say damn near polar fucking opposite to that is nc soft and i mean I love some of their games a lot. I was a huge Guild Wars fan, all right? And I am really looking forward to Guild Wars 2. But 
I mean, Jesus Christ, people, they fucked this up so bad with Ion, and it ain't getting better. And again, that's something that I feel, but it's not just myself, too. Um, the founder for Curse.com, uh, he actually posted an open letter on the Ion forums giving his views about what he thought was wrong with the game as well as what he, and, and giving constructive opinions in terms of what they can do to fix it. Now, I know you read this as well, Vince. What were your thoughts on that? Well, he made some good points, but I, I also have to disagree a little bit about it because I just to break down one point right here, I'm talking about the leveling curve, and he does absolutely have a point. Some people have had issues leveling 18 to 20. I haven't myself. I know for a fact just about everyone peters out just before 25. So, But he gives all this great uh, you know, constructive criticism about what to do, but first of all, you have to know what kind of game you're playing. Ion is a Korean-developed MMO, and Korean gamers love the grind. They love to just sit there for hours on end and kill the same mob over and over and over again. And that's a very difficult gameplay philosophy to translate over to the Western audience. And they really tried with a lot of their patches, 1.1, 1.2, 1.5, to really ease the curve. If you compare how the game plays now to the stories I've heard about how it was before, it's almost a completely different game. And they're still working on it. The latest test patch in Korea, 1.5.5 or 1.6 or whatever the hell they're calling it, they are further increasing the quest experience and the smoothness of the le of the leveling curve altogether. So he raises some great points, but a lot of the points he raises are stuff they're working on, they're aware of. But, but see, that's the thing, though. I'm sorry to cut you off, Joe, but just to quickly say, okay. this should have been done before. Again, we got to remember who we're dealing with here. We're not dealing with some new company coming out with a new IP, a new, you know, oh my God, what's an MMO? No, this is NCSoft. They should have known better to int introduce and implement all this when the game came out. So the fact that they have to keep patching it now to please the Western audience, they knew what an, a Western audience wanted. So... Instead of keep saying that, you know, the game's been live in Korea for a year and doing fantastic, well, that means jack shit if you didn't bother changing it to amend it to fix it to work with Western audiences immediately before release. Don't give us that shit after we paid for the game and then it's it's really not fun to play at times. No, so I totally agree. But I, once again, you really have to know what you're getting to. NCSoft is a Korean company. I'm going to break it down. They do not care about the Western audience. NC West, the people we're dealing with, it's almost a completely separate company, and they're trying their best to work with NC Korea. I mean, I've played games. My girlfriend still plays Final Fantasy XI, which is a Japanese-developed game developed for Japanese players. So if you want to see a game that absolutely doesn't care about the Western audience, please yeah, go, go right look there. at that one. So it could be far worse. I They could be doing more. Don't get me wrong. I'm not jumping out there in front of the bullet defending them but at least from well, my point of view they're trying <laughs> well but here's the thing and, and this is what i was gonna say earlier it's just who knows i mean i'm not as far up ncsoft's ass as most of you guys are because you're playing the game pretty heavily i don't know this stuff until i talk to you guys mostly i mean i look and i try to find stuff on it and it's really hard to find oh we're working on it this is what we got in the works i mean and and it's hard and i mean th that open letter to ncsoft i am perfectly okay with it because if i'm having a hard time finding it 
the average person is going to have a difficult time knowing exactly what's going on. So, of course, everything that he's griping about that they're quote unquote fixing, I didn't know they were trying to fix it. That's exactly what I'm saying, too. I agree wholeheartedly. Like what you're saying, too, Vince, that, yeah, they're working on it in different patches. Again, I didn't know what was going to be out in the patch that came out. When was that? That was last week the patch came out. I didn't know it until I tried to log into the fucking game and it started downloading a patch. And oh, then yeah. I'm like, what the hell is this? And then go that check, and it's like... completely came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah but that, that's... That, that was very poorly handled. I'll agree with that. But that's not the first time that's happened, too. So that's yeah. the thing. So they really, really need to work on their communication right now, and they do have a lot of things that they want to do. Now, the thing that we're talking about here, too, which he mentions in his letter as well, is... And, I mean... This is not some fucking Joe Blow like Rick that thinks he knows everything. <laughs> you got to give him a little bit more credit than that. But the the thing is, is that what we want is we want the game to succeed on a very large level. It's not going to succeed on a very large level as it stands now. And what they will I, have I to do in terms of changing that is substantive. Like we're not talking a few little, you know, changes here and there. There's a just a fuck ton of things that they're going to have to change with this game for it to continue to be popular and to actually get as many people playing it as it should have. There's a good basis in the game, but so much of it has to change if they want to retain. And I mean, case in point, literally, and I'm only, my highest level hasn't even reached 20 yet. He's 19. I'm at a point where... I'm wondering, is this worth me paying $15 a month? Yes, I'm enjoying it when I can play. However, the grind is starting to get a little annoying because I'm in that 18 to 20 that he's talking about, and it is a little annoying, and that's not even the hard grind later on. So, in so much as I don't mind grinding to a certain degree... I really do not want to just spend my time killing the same fucking mob over and over and over again, waiting till it respawns, and then killing it over and over again. I got better things to do with my time, and that is not questing. That's not the lore aspect that I love of games. So, it should they have to change it because of the Western audience? No, but if they want to succeed on a much higher level, then yes, they will. Yeah, they're all very valid points. I I'm not saying that he has absolutely no basis, but also as the founder of Curse, you'd think he'd have access to the same information I do. I mean, the information I got, I got off Ion Source, which is right where he's posting this. So I'm just making I was just making a point. I'm just saying maybe he did know it, maybe he didn't know it, but there's still points. There's still valid points. Oh, absolutely. Regardless of whether or not they're 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 working on it or not, and I've had the I've had the the pleasure of speaking with this gentleman uh, over Twitter and, and a few other communiques a while ago, and uh, he knows his shit. So I'm pretty sure this was an educated uh, I don't want to say gamble, but he put this out there on purpose, and he definitely wanted a response, and I think he got it. Yeah. So again, so. it's going to be interesting to see just how much credence being given. I honestly, in so much as it was a very it was a good thing to do to try to improve the situation and he had the best of intentions and he didn't go on and just flame them. He said, listen, this is what I think is wrong. This is These are options of how you can fix it. That being said, and based on how they have been treating their, their paying customers, I literally can see this being 
if it was a piece of paper, would have been turned into a paper airplane and flown towards a garbage can. That's how much I feel they are listening to the community and care about what we have to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I do respect what he did because he's done something that I have not seen anybody in the ION community do, and that's create an intelligent conversation. If you've ever tried to read the forums over at ION Source, it's, it's like Baron's chat out there. So just being able to get this community to shut up for a minute and really think, uh, yeah, that, that's worthy of respect. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a break here because my wine glass is empty and it must be filled. So we're going to take a little break here and then we'll be back in a couple of minutes. When I heard of the evils befalling Torchlight, I returned from the wilderness. Tales of madness, townsfolk slain or missing and a darkness rising from the deep. It was inevitable that I was drawn to this place. I was lost as soon as I set foot in torchlight. I came only to serve my own ends, but the evil gathering there swallowed me, and I may never break free of it entirely. I sense a tide of darkness will soon be upon us. I will be prepared to meet it. Things at first seemed simple. I did not know then the shadows I would face. It would be a test of both my skill and my conviction. There is power beyond imagining, but the price is so very high. And we're back from break, and we're going to keep going a little bit on the the interviews, but only with a couple other games, actually. Um, two of the other ones that we've mentioned a, a little bit here and there has been the, um, the Star Trek Online as well of, as the Star Wars, the Old Republic MMOs that are going to be coming out. So we had a dev interview with uh, the Star Trek Online and then we had a producer interview with the um, the Star Wars. The uh, the Star Wars was with uh, who was it again? Hold on a second here. Blaine Christine from Bioware, and then we had the uh, the dev interview with Star Trek Online. Now, what I'm seeing from both of those, uh, I don't know if you guys read through them. I actually did. They're just actually right before the show. What I'm seeing and what I've seen in other little notes here and there in terms of what they're releasing about the games is that we're looking at two very 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 different types of MMOs where the the Star Trek Online is going to be combining elements of traditional kind of leveling as well as like shit that you'd see in EVE Online kind of thing Mm -hmm. and then your Star Wars The Old Republic is going to be more of the traditional type of MMO however they're really trying to go above and beyond the traditional by making it very separate so that depending on what path you choose whether it be evil or good you're going to have very different gameplay experiences throughout I was incredibly interested mainly at the uh, the Star Trek one, and the reason I was interested about this is, like you said, they're combining elements of an EVE Online-esque type of game. Um, the ship-to-ship combat has always been something that MMOs have tr- like 
struggled with or avoided, like vehicle combat. Um, I'm looking forward to see how the ships really, truly play into it. This is also interesting to me because EVE Online, um, the company that produces EVE, had been talking for the last, I think, year or so of expanding EVE to have a, a, an offshoot game which takes your character out of the ship. And Star Trek will be beating them to the punchline in this effect. And I'm, I'm looking forward to see how they do it. I'm really excited. The thing that they're talking about, too, is how the the path that you take in terms of your, your, your captain and then the officers that you're choosing and all that, how that will have an impact on the the type of experience that you have. Same as with the, uh, the different, um, they're not calling professions, what are they calling them? Yeah, the different professions, whether it's science or whatever, is going to then also have an impact on, again, your ship and the place that your ship will have in the greater kind of fleet and everything else. And this really speaks to me because I'm I'm an old school pen and paper gamer, and I still play an old school pen and paper game called Mechton. It's a space opera, and uh, it's the same deal. Whoever gets to play the captain, their their specialty of their character, really, it, it... changes the entire game experience for everybody around it because of the missions that become available to us as well as the the feel of the game and to be able to see that being translated into an mmo and actually then take something like that into effect that has always been around for pen and paper gaming that you really don't see transfer over into video games very well i'm excited for that as well because it it just it feels like something that's going to be able to draw me in that my choices are going to have an actual impact on what i do and what happens well, what, I, what I'm looking at when I'm reading this dev chat, and I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, I tried to read it, and I got kind of into it, but once they started talking about stat allocation for your Vulcan science officer, my eyes glazed over, and that, for me, is kind of a warning sign for the game, because that shows me that, oh, they're really doing a great job of this incredibly detailed game that's only going to appeal to its core audience. It's really not going to branch out and pick up new players, at least from what I saw of it, because... I have no interest in it, and I actually enjoy Star Trek. So, <laughs> well, see, actually, that's I and I don't know, I'm probably on the opposite end of the spectrum than you, then, because what I'm seeing here is I am not a huge Star Trek fan. Um, not to say that I don't enjoy it, but it just doesn't do much for me. But the more I'm reading about it, and the more that I'm reading the depth of what they're going to be doing in terms of. It's not just about your character any, uh, anymore. It's also about your character, your bridge officers, which then translates into like this three-dimensional RTS kind of feel where you're you're in charge of more than just yourself. And then the the ship combat. Like were it not for certain aspects of Eve, I probably would have been more interested in it. I have kinda given it a shot. Although, admittedly, not nearly enough, but it's because I'm not interested solely in the ship aspect kind of things. So when you get something like this where it's the the, the depth of what you're looking at here is no longer just about your little character going and killing ten rats and coming back, this is... This is huge in terms of what you can accomplish in the game and in terms of... Like, not just in terms of you personally, but in terms of you and and each member of your crew and things like that. Because what they're saying as well, too, is that they want to make it so that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to respect. You don't have to re-roll again. That you could do different things with your character. So the, the depth of what you can accomplish and then go out and at the same time have those, you know, space mission opera things where you're having your fights. 
really shows that the game has got it's going to have legs simply because I think that it will appeal to more than just the hardcore Star Trek players because you will have again so much to do in the game. Oh, I'm not arguing that it's incredibly deep and I really am just shocked once I looked at it. I had no idea where this game was going, but I'm really kind of looking at it from a from a potential purchase point of view because it's coming out in an incredibly cluttered time. You've got World of Warcraft out there obviously. You've got Ion, you've got Champions, you've got their arch nemesis Star Wars out there. And just, I don't see a game that incredibly complex picking up that many of the casual gamers that you really need the $15 a month to proceed with. Well, and to that I'm going to respond with, I don't think it's the casual gamers uh, that they're really, I mean, it is going to appeal to a lot of them, a lot of the geeks. But let's, let's be honest, if you're a deep down Star Trek geek, you're going to be into it. But this is also going to threaten EVE Online because these are the type of character, these are the type of players that this game really, really appeals to them. And I mean, EVE Online is enough that they had to create another shard server. Um, they were one persistent world with different instances. They had to shard the server in order to keep all their player base. And I think that's where we're going to see most of the, pe- the players jump ship uh, into this particular MMO is going to be from EVE over Star Trek, personally. Well, I'll say I have I have absolutely no idea what Eve is about. I'm just kind of worried about the future of the game. And it, it, and I I did play Eve. I played Eve for a while. Um, my coworkers, I have a group of coworkers that are hardcore into it, and I'm hearing them talk about this game. This this they're talking about Star Trek. They're talking about the Star Trek MMO more than they're talking about Eve now. That's pretty big. Yeah. Now that being said, let's go back again to the Star Wars. Here's another game that even though I'm not a hardcore Star Wars fanatic, the more I'm hearing about this game, the more I really do want to play it. I am seeing a lot of things in terms of the development, in terms of what they're going to be doing to make it different from your traditional MMOs that is really going to be fun to play. And again, we've talked about it before. It's a huge lore thing as well. We want to have an impact on our gaming experience. We want our choices to have an impact. And so you're looking here where they're talking about you can play either either as a, a, a Jedi or a, a, Sith, a Sith, but then you can either you can even play as an evil Jedi or a good Sith. Your choices will determine your path in the game, and that will have a, a very resounding impact on what you will then experience in terms of quests and lore and story. Yeah, that completely took me by surprise. I really haven't been looking that much into the output on this game because the last thing I need right now is another MMO. But reading the article you sent me, and I saw that, and my eyes just bugged open. If you'll allow me to go completely nerdy here for a moment, one of my favorite comic books has always been The Thunderbolts. It's a group of former supervillains that are trying to redeem themselves. So just seeing that I can do that in this game, I can play a Sith who is actually seeing the error in his ways and trying to become good, that really appeals to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I And it's something that if they can push that beyond... See, Fable 2 tried to do that in a very large way. However, it's still felt so scripted it still felt as if it was they tried and and peter mulliner certainly really talked a good game about it but when push came to shove and you played it it really didn't feel like 
there really was that much in terms of an impact based on your choices. Now, you got to understand that an MMO is going to have even more diversity. And so how far can that spider web go wherein, you know, this choice will impact that and that and that and that and that. I don't know just how far they're going to be able to push it so that it really does change the gameplay based on what you decide. It might be something as simple as what they tried to do with Fable 2, wherein you can be, again, a good Jedi or a bad Jedi or a good Sith or a bad Sith and go from there. Or it could be degrees, shades of gray throughout that then has an impact on your gameplay. I I don't know. Yeah, I'm just going to put it out there. It's Bioware. Until yeah. they show me something isn't possible, I'm going to believe it is. And <laughs> uh, we were talking about last week, we put so much faith in them as a company because all they've done is produce pure gold. I think that they can do it. Um, one thing I'd like to talk about real quick here too because I was an old uh, KOTOR player. Uh, I played that game enough that I burned out the, the actual game disc and had to buy another one. Um, the problem that everybody had with KOTOR was that it was the same story from no matter what you chose to play. And they addressed this issue. That's one of the questions that they asked in this in this, this chat. And they said that there is going to be a very different experience based on the class that you play. I'm excited for that because right now um, you, you have your classes and your other MMOs and you do the same quests. If I'm a cleric and ion, I'm going to get the same most of the same quests that a gladiator is going to get. If I'm a shaman and wow, I'm going to get most of the same quests that my hunter is going to get. There, there's very few distinctions between the two quest lines. And I want to see that. I want to see some form of, of individuality between the classes. I want to see a Jedi Guardian get a different class than a Jedi Counselor. And I want to see a different path, a different series. And if your decisions influence that as well, They'll have me hooked if they do this. If they do this and they do this well, I'll be hooked just on the different playthroughs and story. Well, that and seeing how much attention they're putting into the actual universe as well, like from that the videos that we saw at Coruscant, and seeing how much attention to detail they're putting in just the environment, I would hope that they're putting the same amount of attention to detail for the questing for the characters and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, every time I'm hearing a little bit more... I'm believing more and more that, yes, they can create the MMO that that can take a substantial base out of the WoW fan base. And just to put it out there, in the developer chat, they mentioned branching conversation trees with the NPCs. So theoretically, that could mean branching quest lines. So you could level even two identical characters, and it'd be two completely different games. Granted, that's entirely theoretical at this point, but I wouldn't put it past them. Well, and then that's a surefire way to keep a game afloat, too. I mean, most games, most MMO gamers, I mean, we're all, we, we play alts at some point or another. I know Roger has a slew of alts, you know, on his now not-so-played WoW account. I mean, I have a, a, a ton of alts everywhere. Um, in every game I play, I'm an altaholic. Um, giving me something where I'm able to go back and replay things differently is a surefire way to keep it interesting for me um, when I'm leveling my various army of alts and making sure that I'm not going to sit there and go, oh yeah, this quest again, you know, whatever, click, 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 done. Um, it's, I'm going to sit there, oh my god, this is awesome, I didn't do this before, yes! You know, I'm going to be excited about it, not so much, you know, like it has been with other MMOs. Yeah, that's, that's something that kind of bothering me about Ion, like I started up my first alt and here I am playing through the same content again. Whereas in in World of Warcraft, I am leveling probably like 
fiftieth alt, and just like the other a couple weeks ago, I found a quest in Westfall I'd never done before. I've been through Westfall a thousand times, and I found something I never did. Well, see, that's something that I am definitely seeing an eye on, and which I've actually brought up and talked to Rick about as well. Wherein, because the because the game world is so small in comparison to what we're now used to with games like WoW, and because you only have the 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 specific sections that you can quest in, and not like WoW where you can have the dwarf section, the you know the the, the night elf section, and and whatnot, you're very very limited in your experiences. And I'm leveling my ranger and my clerics as Asmodians. And I'm really, that's what's also adding to my opinion of the grind because I'm doing the exact same thing again on the ranger that I did on the cleric. And I'd been thinking about bringing over a Templar when they do open transfers finally, of bringing a Templar that I'd level to, I think 11 or 12, 12 or something, to the server that we've been playing on. But now I'm thinking, fuck. I don't want to do these quests yet again. I don't care if it's a different class and a different way of playing. I don't want to do them again. Two times is going to be plenty. So again, that's something that I really, I need another game to play that will allow me to feed my alt mania, (laughs) but feed it in such a way that I can play different quests and have completely different experiences without it being the same shit over and over again. Exactly, and if you can do that right, you got me hooked. What about Champions Online? Absolutely. How is that in terms of, are you doing the same quests? If That is one thing I do have a gripe with them about, is if I finish the initial quest, which the, the initial starting zone is a tutorial, essentially. Um, your, your characters all start in the same zone, but then you get to choose. You get to go either to Canada and go stomp on someone dead, or you get to go to the desert and stomp on some mutants. Um, but the quests that you pick are the same, regardless of the character you pick. Um, it's supposed to diversify later on, but because I'm an alcoholic and haven't pushed any of my characters past 20, I'm a little bit behind on that. Um, but up to that point, it is uh, very much the same. And for them in the chat, yes, you did hear Canada. One of the zones is Canada. Go back and listen to prior episodes. We already talked about this. There's lots of beavers. There's a Yeti. There's a lot of beer. It's fantastic, actually. And it makes me feel good. And undead hockey teams. You can't forget the undead yeah. hockey teams. All right. From there, we're going to actually move on now into the uh, the feature segment. And we have the fantastic Lord of the Rings segment that we've actually had shelved for a little while, um, simply because we've been so busy with other segments that we've been doing on the show. But Joe has a fantastic Lord of the Rings segment that we're going to play for you right now. And then after that, We've got some more Joe, because apparently we can never get enough Joe. We've got a great fan fiction segment, because people did really enjoy the first one from you. So I'm looking forward to hearing that second part. As many of you know, I'm a bit of a a gaming whore, for lack of a better term. Any game that comes out, I like to get my hands on at least for a little bit, play with it, and see how things are. I like to tear it apart, see what's good about it, see what's bad about it. Today I'm going to talk about Lord of the Rings Online. We are for the lore, and as such we are interested in very story-driven games. Well, it doesn't get very much more story-driven than Lord of the Rings. The game has already been established off the books. The books, as many of us have known, have been around for a very long time. Anybody who's read them knows the beginning, the middle, and the end of the story from the eyes of the initial fellowship. We follow the characters through and and know exactly what's going to happen. 
So you got to ask yourself, how does a video game take into account a story that's already been told, a story that's already been written? Look at games like World of Warcraft. Parts of the story have already been written, but we don't truly know how it's going to end. So they can change things and throw things at us however they want. So Lord of the Rings Online has a very interesting challenge in that, and one that I think they step up to very admirably. Lord of the Rings Online has you create your character in one of the many races, dwarf, elf, human, halfling, or, you know, <laughs> small folk. Your character, the entire point of it, as you progress through the game, your story is essentially about finding out what happens to the other fellowship, to the main fellowship, to the one we read about in the stories. I mean, we know what the champions, what this one group of heroes is doing, what this party is doing throughout the entire stories, but what about everything else around it? There's still a war going on. There's still tons of people and would-be heroes in, in, that are, are moving through the world and acting at the same time. Well, this game explores that. Now, that's not to say that you don't see the original fellowship or main characters. One of the coolest things I saw in the game is, is I created a dwarf and an elf right off the bat, of course. The dwarf got to interact with Gandalf the Grey almost in the first ten minutes of the game I'm seeing him. That was pretty cool. In the elves, one of the first people I interact with, of course, is Elrond. And if anybody knows the stories, they know those are pretty integral characters to the overall story of Lord of the Rings. The company Turbine has released in December of 08 the current content of the game, Lord of the Rings Online, The Mines of Moria. Essentially, you've taken back the mines and you're working to secure, basically clear out what's left. And they do a pretty good job. The game is visually stunning. If you can turn the graphics up in the game, you will be treated with intricate stonework, very nice lighting and shadow effects, fire and lava effects that are out of this world, and character features that are very robust and very intricate. The story of the game is just one part of it. Of course, it is a game. Being an MMO, you have to worry about things like classes, combat, questing. Let's start with classes. Lord of the Rings Online has seven classes to choose from. You have your lore master, which is a keeper of ancient lore. Uh, basically, these are the people that go through and find all the information that would otherwise be lost. Um, they use this power to basically stave off the advances of the shadow. Uh, they're mages, essentially. Um, they can use their knowledge to cast spells and, and do very awesome, cool things with it. Um, but they are your, your stereotypical mage in many regards. Uh, the other class is Minstrel. The Minstrel is your healers. They're bards. Uh, a Minstrel brings hope to places thick with gloom. Um, basically, they will sing songs and, and do special abilities that will heal their party and add buffs. Hunter, as you can guess by the name, is a DPS class. These are your woodsmen, your pathfinders, your masters of the bow. Um, like every other MMO, they do suffer from the initial problem of a ranged class in a beginning area with not very many ranged abilities. So for a while, you'll be spending more time in hand-to-hand -hand combat uh, than you will at range. But once you learn to kite, and once you get about level 6 or 7, you'll start getting more ranged abilities. You'll be able to kite more effectively. It becomes a lot more fun. Burglar, which is the rogues of the game, uh, stealthy tricksters. 
Uh, burglars can confuse and weaken and damage foes. Uh, they can strike from behind. They're essentially your rogues. They're, they're your rogues of the game. They're very good. Captains. Captains are your buff bots. Uh, they are inspiration. They can use their battle shouts to buff parties around them. Not to say that they can't do DPS or tank. Uh, I've seen a captain attempt to tank and it was quite fun. Uh, but they do offer great buffs. Think of kind of like how a warrior has different battle shouts and different shouts that they can add to a group. That's going to be your captain. Uh, your guardian, which is your standard tank, uh, he is a sword and board type character. Uh, basically they are the ones that you want at your front line. You have champions. Champions are like your arms warriors in, in WoW fighters and some other games like Dungeons and Dragons Online. Um, these are guys that can pick up any weapon and just go to town and do lots of damage. When Minds of Moria were released, they added the following classes to the game. They added Runekeeper and Warden. Now I'm going to stop for a minute here and I'm going to talk about the Runekeeper. I'm going to talk about the Runekeeper because it is, in my opinion, the epitome of a hybrid class. This is what hybrids should be. A runekeeper uh, is able to utilize the power of words and writing. They can use this to inspire allies, heal wounds, or cause devastating damage to their enemies. They wield elemental rune stones, which are covered with writings, and they use these stones and other tools to focus on harness runic energy and raise rain destruction or restore morale. Uh, the cool thing about this is you get all of your abilities up front. Okay, plain and simple. You don't have to worry about respecting to train into certain abilities like you would, let's say, as a shaman in World of Warcraft, or uh, even as a tank-type character in Champions Online. You get all of your abilities up front. You get your damaging spells, you get your healing spells. What they do is they add a rune bar to the to your, your user interface. The rune bar is a rune in the center, and it has two meters on the left and the right, left for healing and right for damage. When there's nothing on either bar, you are perfectly balanced. All of your spells are where they are when you see them, when you mouse over and you look at the tooltip. As you cast damaging or healing spells, your meters fill up to, based on what you're using. So if I cast damaging spell for damaging spell for damaging spell, my meter's going to move to the right and it's going to fill with nice red energy. Every time that bar moves up, every time that meter hits another level, every time it fills, my damaging spells do more damage. So as I cast those spells, I get more effective at causing damage. Now, as I break from that, and I either stop casting damaging spells or I begin to cast healing spells, my meter moves down quicker, back to the center point, and if I continue to cast healing spells, moves on to the left-hand side, into the healing bar. And as I continue to cast healing spells, my healing spells hit for greater numbers. Now, this is kind of important because in a group, let's say you're in a group with a minstrel who's doing all of your healing, and the minstrel goes down. You can swap from your damage and in a few short seconds be healing that party until combat's over and you can rest that minstrel back up. In my opinion, this is a fantastic way to do a hybrid class. It allows you to do decent damage, but not hit top levels, kind of like uh, you're never going to be doing as much damage as, say, a hunter or a burglar in peak gear, and you're not going to do quite as much healing as a minstrel, but you're going to do well enough that you can switch between the both, that people are still going to watch you in that group. 
it's very nice. The only downside is if you're that primary role of a healer, it does take a little bit to kind of get your healing up to par. Ways around that I found is just casting kind of healing buff spells before combat begins to get in my meter already going. The other, the other class, the last class that I'll talk about today is the Warden. The Wardens are devoted to slowing the evil of Sauron and its expansion. They protect those that cannot protect themselves. Yes, this is another tank class. But this tank class uses pole arms and spears and sword. These are your very difficult to play fighters of the game, defenders of the game. But the reward is absolutely astounding. So you see these guys in action, and it's quite nice, and it's quite it takes a skilled player to do it well, but they can definitely do it. When all said and done, this means that there are nine classes total in Minds of Moria, which now bring it up to on par with most of the other games. Now, we can't talk about an MMO and, and leveling your characters without talking about things like skills and talents. In Lord of the Rings Online, you do get your skills, and you get your abilities, and you get that through, tra through training as you level. But they have an interesting system called the Trait System. The trait system has broken down into uh, four different categories. You have your virtues, your race traits, your class traits, and legendary traits. Uh, these abilities augment skills and abilities that you have. Uh, this is very similar to what everybody's talking about with Cataclysm coming out for WoW and their mastery system. These are essentially masteries that you can pick. Um, there is no limit of times that you can change around the traits that you have equipped, but there is a limited number of traits you can have equipped at any given point in time. But, I mean, there are things like, you know, extra damage, extra healing, uh, things like that. Um, there are, to give you an idea, like, virtues. Virtues are give enhancements to all races and classes that improve the character's combat abilities. Uh, increases, like, power generation, or increases the change, uh, ch a chance to evade, um, they are acquired through completing deeds in the game. So you complete a deed or a series of quests, um, you will earn a trait. Um, there are the virtues go by names such as like charity, discipline, honesty, justice, tolerance, compassion, empathy, honor, loyalty, valor, etc. Um, as you can assume, these things have these things are named aptly for what they do to your character. Uh, for those of you that play Aeon, this is very similar to what happens when you earn a title and you equip that title. It gives you a bonus. Uh, there are a series of racial traits for dwarfs, elves, hobbits, and man, uh, and there are class traits specific to like the nine classes: burglar, captain, champion, guardian, hunter, lore master, minstrel, roomkeeper, and warden. Um, all of these allow you to customize your character in the role and give it a little more love. I think this is very cool, and I think it's also a better way to do things compared to talents. Talents, you could move around and respect, but you were very much locked into them. There are certain talents that you absolutely needed to take. With the trait system, not so much. It allows you to give your character a certain flavor, a certain... Je ne sais quoi and I probably said that wrong and Roger will probably make fun of me later for it, but it allows you to tweak your character and move things around on the fly. Uh, it's, also, it's, it's pretty darn good. Um, as you progress into the game, you'll start getting things later on, like 
legendary traits. Uh, legendary traits offer you all sorts of epic uh, storytelling type-esque stuff like last stands and things like that. Uh, think of what Gandalf did when he defeated the charging Melrog on the bridge, screaming, you shall not pass. Well, that's definitely a legendary trait. He stood in the face of Brady Walt. All in all, the game is very fun. Right now, the game is $10 to download. Uh, it is free to play for 10 days, so if you want to try it out, go to www.lotro.com. That's lotro.com. Download your free copy and give it a try. If you choose to keep the game, it will cost you $10 to download all of the current content. Uh, this includes the previous base content, including patch, uh, expansion, Mines of Moria. And the game currently has its monthly fee lowered to $10 a month. Uh, you may think that this game is not going very strong and they're doing this just to keep people interested, but when I log in, there's still quite a few people around. All in all, it's a very solid game with very good story elements, amazing artwork, great spell effects, a very good combat system, and in my opinion, one of the few games that does hybrids absolutely right. So if you get a chance, check it out, Lord of the Rings Online, let us know what you think. This is part two of Loader's Tale. The full story can be found at wayofthetotem.wordpress.com. Loader stepped off the boat and onto the docks of Dark Shore. He turned and waved his thanks to the crew of the vessel before continuing on to Aberdeen at the end of the docks. On the deck of the ship, a young sailor nodded at Loader, the scar across his chest showing clearly through his ripped shirt. A freak storm after leaving the dock at the Exodar had kept them busy most of the day. Loder had helped as much as possible, but he wasn't a sailor. After a few failed attempts to help secure various parts of the boat, he decided to just tend wounded and stay out of the way. A wicked wind had snapped a rope that flailed around like a frantic snake. The young sailor had tried to secure the line, but it only served to knock him down at an odd angle and onto a dropped sword. There was a pool of blood that did not seem like it would end until it had coated the entire deck. Loder had gone to work immediately. He slid to the side of the young sailor and turned him over carefully. Fear brightened the eyes of a man who knew his death was fast approaching. He ripped the sailor's shirt open and examined the wound. Loder reached into a pouch at his side and pulled out a bright green-colored gourd. He poured the contents of the gourd, a slightly opaque liquid, onto the wound. The man screamed with such blood-curdling force it could be heard clearly over the hollow of the wind. Loder placed one hand on the man's head and the other just above the wound began to speak in a whisper, almost lost to the gap. Spirits of water and air, I ask you, lend me your strength to mend the wounds of this man. I beseech you, lend me aid. The wound mended shut slowly, leaving a nasty scar across the sailor's chest. The man passed out from shock, but was breathing normally. Loder carried the man to his bunks, set him down, going back to tend any more wounded that might be there. 
The storm broke shortly after the incident, and the rest of the journey was uneventful. The captain had nodded his thanks to the shaman as they pulled into the dock. Now that the boat had arrived in Dark Shore, they would make repairs to the boat and resupply. Loder turned from the boat and faced Aberdeen. He had stayed here shortly after the Exodar had crashed. He remembered the elves and dwarves here to be good-natured and friendly. Perhaps he would spend the night and make passage in the morning. It was quite peaceful here, and the effects of the Lich King's plague were still far enough away that one could enjoy a quiet evening in the dockside town. Loder grabbed the empty gourd from his side and took a look at it. Maybe he'd have time to talk to the druids of Aberdeen and ask permission to speak with the spirit of the Moonwell and see about replenishing the contents of the gourd. First, Loder thought, he would fancy himself some sand parlor stew and moonberry juice. The inn was just at the end of the dock, and he could secure a hot meal in bed for the night. Putting one hoof in front of the other, Loder began to move down to the dock towards the inn. A smile formed on his face. He had done good this day. The sky was clear and full of stars. Fireflies were just waking from their long day's slumber. As the lights of heaven dance above, so does the lights of mortals dance below, Loder said, watching the fireflies beginning to bob and sway. He walked down the dock and towards the inn. He had stayed here long ago after the Exodar first crashed. He remembered it as a peaceful place. Some place a person could unwind and spend a restful evening. The dock was clear tonight. There would be no more charters to Menethil until the morning. He strode in the inn and up to the counter. The innkeeper, an elf who had not seen the ravages of war and still bore innocence in her eyes, took his coin for both bed and meal. His meal with a healthy serving of sandcrawler stew and fresh moonberry juice. Loder ate it happily. A home-cooked meal was just what he needed after his boat ride here. After he finished his meal, he stacked his bowls and cups and thanked the innkeeper, leaving a little extra coin behind for her. He made his way up to the top level of the inn and found a bed. With a contented sigh, he fell upon the bed. The sound of the waves and the gentle sound of the night's insects was beginning to lull Loder's sleep. Loder was startled awake by a crash no more than a few feet from his bed. Quickly, he leapt at the ready, brandishing his shield and mace and drawing the power of earth around him to shield him. He had rose so the bed was between him and the ruckus. At the ready, he scanned the room. Seeing no immediate threat, he lowered his shield and mace, but kept his earth shield up. Oi, ye damned goat! Didn't ye ever see a dwarf stuck on her back before? Little help be appreciated. Loda looked down on the side of the bed and saw a female dwarf stuck on her back with a pack nearly three times her size spinning her down. If not for the constant stream of obscenities flowing from her mouth, Loder mused it would be a cute and comical scene. He dropped his shield and bent over to help the dwarf to her feet. Thanks, but didn't you get any bright ideas about me on ya? I ain't that type of lady. She brushed herself up, dropped the bag, and sat heavily on the bed close to Loder's. Don't worry, Loder said in a calm and even voice. I don't have any bright ideas involving you. He looked at her and smirked. You're simply not my type. The comment earned a snicker from the diminutive figure. <laughs> ah, I see he has a sense of humor. That's good. Name's Yeva. Your friends call me V. That be if and I had any friends. He offered her hand. Loder shook it politely. My name is Loder. My friends call me... He paused, thinking of some of the more colorful names his guild had referred to him over the years. Well, just call me Loder. Packed for a long journey, I see. 
Loader motioned to the pack bed. Eva looked at it and snorted. <laughs> ah! Nah, it's me bag of spoils. She opened the bag and showed bits of cloth, armor, weapons, and coin. About once a fortnight, I sneak in a Black Fathoms and rob those cultist bastards blind. Loader narrowed his eyes. He was not fond of thieves and cutthroats. Noticing the shift in his demeanor, Eva quickly responded, Dinna ye wear your pretty little horned head. I did not kill any of them, and I gave me spoils back to the Alliance for the war relief. I ain't a frontline fighter, but I like him to be helping. Loder studied her features for any tells, any signs of the lie, but found none. She seemed genuine enough and didn't break contact with his eyes when they locked. He relaxed a little then. He watched as she tore off her boots, stretching and wiggling her toes. I'm a heading to the wetlands in the morning and they be wanting to check the goods, making sure there ain't no hoarded magic on it and such. Apparently, had a nasty scare with a lowly rogue, brought back a rune stone thinking he'd done good, only for Stormwind to be finding a demon at their doors. You might have heard of it. Doomlord Kazakh something or other. Twon't pretty. Loder sat down and dropped his earth shield. Yes. I heard about that. Unsavory business. Details are still unclear as to whether he was beaten back or just got bored. I've... I've dealt with him before. He's resilient even by demon standards. Yeva nodded and then flopped down on the bed, laying on her side to look at Loder. Well, looks like we'll be bunkmates tonight. Where are you headed? Loder eased back, propping himself up against the headboard, letting out a sigh, released the last of his tensions. He could tell her his plan so far. There's no harm in that. I'm heading to Northrend. My guild is already up there. I want to join the expedition to bring down the Lich King. Yeva yawned sleepily. Northrend, eh? Cannot say I've been up that ways. My cousins are ships and on the North Spear, though. I can get you a ride up north ways. Well, maybe I'll tag along. You look like you can use the company. And I'm right bored down here. Loder set his mace down and reached into his pouch to grab the totem that would act as sentry for the night. Sure, he said as he turned back towards Eva. Wouldn't mind the company. Loder's voice trailed off as he heard the snoring coming from the bed next to him. Loder smiled, stood up, pulling Eva's blankets up over her shoulders, and then settling into his own bed, setting his sentry totem down next to him. Been a while since I've had a traveling companion, Loder thought to himself. But I still don't know if she's on the level. One day at a time, I suppose. Loder drifted off to sleep. In the morning, he would be one step closer to Northrend. And that's going to wrap it up for episode 5 of For the Lore. I'd like to thank Joe for his fantastic contributions to this show, as well as Vince for helping out in the guest co-host chair. Vince did a great job. I'm certain we'll have him back on the show as soon as we can. You should definitely check out his site, massivenerd.blogspot.com. He's got great information on a variety of games, and he's a damn fine writer. Thanks to everyone who came out to listen live. You guys were great. We had a live question from Creek that we'll get to in a moment, and then, of course, the outtakes. 
Big thanks to Manelli Jamal for the fantastic guitar music throughout the podcast. Check him out at manellijamal.com. Make certain to leave your calendars open for next Monday at 6.45 p.m. Eastern Time for Episode 6, The Prodigal Co-Host Returns. Lastly, there's a contest over at forthehorde.wordpress.com, and that's for the number four, that you all should check out. If you'd like to have your WoW tunes drawn, personally, I'd love to have one just to add to my growing collection of podcast logos. That's it. Take care, freaks. We got a question in the chat room from Crick here, and I'm going to actually let Joe handle it first, and we'll see what you think about it, Vince, as well. What are some of the trends you see occurring in game development and any idea for trends you would like to see? Now, before we go into that any further, though, let me ask Crick, are you talking about in terms of specific types of games, as in, say, RPGs or MMOs or, you know, console PC would have or are you talking more in terms of just in general gaming okay so Craig is talking about gameplay so Joe I'm going to leave that to you what do you see as trends occurring in gameplay development right now honestly in gameplay as far as just the the controls and the game itself um, there's a lot more focus on how you maneuver through a world right now if you look at a lot of the games that are coming out not just for um, the PC not just MMOs but you're also looking at console games uh, there's a lot more emphasis on how you interact how you go through the world um, a good example of this I'm gonna have to say is Brutal Legend uh, the gameplay controls and the world itself seems a little clunky at first but about three minutes in you realize that there's really not much of a learning curve to it it's intuitive so and I'm sure the same can be said about Torchlight which I'll you know if it's anything like Diablo 2 was it's fairly intuitive I mean it's point and click so there's a lot less emphasis on complicated um, convoluted have to have 30,000 macros and five arms in order to do something it's what can I do to get this player to enjoy the game, to simplify the game and get them to progress through my world and actually look at the world I'm making? Um, there was a couple of years ago, there was too much emphasis on creating a user interface um, and not enough development on the actual world itself. A good example of this would be Conan. Uh, that game had so much potential, had an interesting world, but because the they spent so much time trying to, to, to revamp and, and develop how you move through it and, and the actual mechanics of the gameplay itself, uh, it just kind of fell off. So we're seeing a lot more emphasis on synergy between the two, I guess you would say. And I, you can see that in games like Borderlands. You can see that in games like uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. You can see that in Brutal Legend. You can see that even in games like Ion and Champions Online, where they try to lower the learning curve so you can actually enjoy the game as it's meant to be a game. Very cool. Vince, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to take this twofold. First of all, a trend that I would love to see just completely die by the side of the road, and that's motion control. For any motion control game I've played, it's been nothing more than a gimmick. I just want to sit there on my couch holding a controller in my hand and play the game. I don't want to be jumping around the living room, tilting my eyebrows, whatever the hell Sony and Microsoft are dreaming up right now. I just can't stand motion control in video games. Just make a good game that plays well with a regular controller, and I'll buy it. On the other side, a trend that I am enjoying right now is we're seeing a lot more of these unique games like Brutal Legend, like Arkham Asylum. And just to throw a little EA hate, or I'm sorry, Activision hate out there, how they dropped Ghostbusters and Brutal Legend from their lineups because they couldn't exploit them as sequels on an annual basis. That needs to stop altogether, which is why what we're seeing now, take a game, work on it for a couple years, and just put out a wonderful game. Like, 
I hope upon hope that Ubisoft takes the cap off of Beyond Good and Evil 2 because that first one was by far the best game I played last generation. And it was a game that came completely out of nowhere. It's a game that did what it wanted to do. And unfortunately, it didn't sell well because they were stupid enough to put it out at Christmas time going up against the first Splinter Cell and I forget what else came out. I think Prince of Persia. So I really love to see more of those unique games like we've seen recently with Brutal Legend, with uh, Batman Arkham Asylum that are just fantastic games that, yeah, they're not going to come out with sequels every year, but I'd rather play a great game every three years than a half-fast game every year. I'm going to go you one further than that, and I'm not going to even touch on what I see happening in game development now so much as what I'd like to see. What I would like to see is in terms of those games that you're talking about, when you're seeing them on the 360, the PS3, the the um, the PC versions, I want to see some form of integration between them all. It's not impossible. Absolutely. It's difficult, I'll give you that, but it's certainly not impossible. I want it to be wherein it does not matter what type of console you play on. It is about your friends and being able to do things together so now that's not going to fall upon the obviously console makers because you know sure as shit that microsoft and sony aren't going to hit the sack together it's going to fall on the developers to set it up so that the interaction between them is handled on their servers on their end and that they can integrate them Uh, the problem with that the problem with that and, and this is just from a development standpoint because this is something uh, me and uh, a bunch of buddies that are doing this for a living um, have been talking about it's virtually impossible because you are restricted by whatever the company you're writing for tells you. So if I write a game that's going to be for the 360 and the PS3, they're telling me that their servers need to have specific standards. So if I'm EA and I develop a game for both, I have to have a different server set up for the PlayStation Network than I do for Xbox. And it does fall on the console systems to make that accessible. Game companies have been trying to do that for years. They've been trying to bridge the gap between PC and console and different consoles together. But when you have... Uh, the proprietary the devices necessary to run like the the Xbox network and the PSN network, um, it's virtually impossible. So until they start saying, okay, we need to just let our players have free reign, uh, until they realize that players are going to buy the game regardless of what system it's on, if they can play with their friends, then we're not going to see that happen. Well, I'm going to throw two examples out there real quick. First of all is Final Fantasy XI, which came out forever ago and that is cross-platform between pc ps2 and xbox 360 Mm -hmm. worldwide all the players from different countries they're not separate so the technology is possible it's a matter of getting the companies to agree with it because i'm pre i've heard time and time again that microsoft is against having games charge their own fees on top of the xbox live fee then again microsoft wasn't stupid enough to tell square they can't do something and so they they were they let that one happen, so it is possible. And then, if I'm not mistaken, recently, uh, Lost Planet Colonies was cross-platform between PC and 360, wasn't it? It was. So again, that so exactly. it's possible if you work with the, the company. The technology is there, but and it, it is possible. Whether or not they want to is an entirely different matter, but it is possible, is what it boils down to. It is. It's there. It's just whether or not these companies can agree long enough so that we as gamers don't yeah. suffer. So don't kill my dream. That was my dream. All right. 
Yeah, like if I if I could play Borderlands cross platform between PC, 360, that, and PS3, oh, come yeah. on, seriously, that, and, do and it. There's no that reason happened. why it shouldn't be able to happen right now. I mean, literally, there's no reason in this day and age why it cannot happen. In terms of the legality of it and the extra legwork that it'll take for them to make sure that they can they can legally do it and, and, and have the agreements from all the players and everything, fine. Do it then. Because the actual coding of it, the actual technology behind it, can happen. And that pissed me off so much because... I'm not a big first-person shooter type guy on the consoles. I don't like them. I like my keyboard and mouse. But in order to play with my friends that have it on the console, I have to buy it for the 360. And then I have to worry about when they're done with it, finding new people to play with if I want to play it online. Whereas if I was able to buy it for the PC, first of all, I'd be happy, um, which I'm probably going to want to buy it for the PC and tell them my friends on Xbox to go screw themselves. But I will be happier because I can have friends like you know Roger or Rick and – in theory, Sam, uh, <laughs> that I can go ahead and play with it, play with the, you guys, and still enjoy the game. Whereas if I play it on the console, since I'm not a big FPS console fan, but once the the multiplayer aspect goes away, why am I going to keep playing? Yeah, the and game? case in point, I've got a buddy who just picked it up for the PS3, who is very disappointed that I'm going to be picking it up for well, that I have picked it up for the PC, and I'm going to be playing it on the PC because I'm going to be able to play with Rick and, and and Vince as well and whoever else kind of thing. So, and I prefer the actual feel of it on the the PC whereas he actually prefers the feel of it on the console so you should be able to play it in whatever environment feels comfortable to you to play and yet still be able to interact with the people that you want to so again that's my my wish of what it should be All right, I'm talking. I don't have anything to talk about, but uh, I'm not going to be as stupid as Rick is. So you guys better that step remains it up. to be seen, my friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, I don't think there's enough alcohol in the world to kill that many brain cells. Joe and I are on a shit list already. <laughs> <laughs> not that that matters. <laughs> what does that entail? Say, not he... being able to pick stars off a ceiling? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? Come on. I gotta behave. Creek is a, a new friend on my server, so I can't embarrass myself too much. You made a new friend? Dude, Aww. you're so lucky! My god! I have no life, so. Games are okay. And it goes deathly quiet. <laughs> and, and I got torchlight. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> I got home today, and I couldn't wait to get on. Seriously, could not wait to play it. And that hasn't happened in a while where it's like, oh my God, I want to play. I want to play now, okay? I'm tired of you fucks. I want to leave and I want to play now. <laughs> That's how much fun it is. By the way, your analogy about the sweater, so fucking gay. <laughs> but it's a pink but sweater with true. unicorns. It's a very <laughs> nice sweater that made me feel pretty. And that's, and that's good for you. I'm happy for you and your pink fuzzy sweater. That's great. See, this is why you're still single, because you're not in touch with that feminine side of yourself. Uh, considering the fact that I just cooked myself an amazing steak dinner, I'm okay. I, that, I can be. What sick. the hell? That has not, nothing to do. I I can cook steak. myself. I can clean. I can do what I need to oh, do myself. Oh, oh, oh these these are age-old stereotypes that are going in the outtakes now, because apparently those are. Do you do your own laundry too, dude? No, no, no. I pay <laughs> a little Mexican kid to do that. Yeah. I think I offended the Roger. I think he's hurt now. Oh, please. 
Well, Sam, you can participate too. You don't have to be quiet. Well, I'm just along for the ride. I don't have a whole lot to interject at this point. You I mean, well, little Mexican be kids doing your laundry. I don't have a whole lot to go on top of that. I just, I didn't know Rick was going all the way up to Buffalo to do somebody's laundry. <laughs> That's a long drive, but he needs those quarters. Hey, dude, did you try Borderlands yet? No, I have to wait. I have to wait not you. I know you're not buying and I was talking to Vince. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I'm just pacing myself. I got an hour and a half. I don't want to blow everything in the first five minutes and then sit here like an idiot. I mean, that would be par hey, that's for my a, role in this. That's, that's Rick's Friday nights with Misty. <laughs> oh, he's going to wow. hate us so much. Hey, well, we're not saying anything we wouldn't say to his face, so it's all good. <laughs> You're dead to me then. Oh, fuck you. Dead. Friendship over. Sweet. Friendship over. Oh, be my friend. Anyone ever tell you you sound like Steve Buscemi? Which one of us are you talking to? I'm talking to you. Do you often look over your head and worry about wood chippers? No, and I don't have giant crazy eyeballs either. Do you you sit on nuclear warheads? We're a minute late. Oh no. This is where Sammy would be complaining. <laughs> yeah, because you guys are a pinnacle of punctuality. Shut the fuck up. That's not funny. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. We started our pre-show on time. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, I can see now that this is going to be a blast to edit all together. This is going to be awesome. so much fun. So much fun because it doesn't already take me days. Let's just, this may be out, say, Thursday, Friday. Who the fuck knows at this point? I'm still here too. Thanks for asking. I you, you talked. I didn't have to ask, Princess. What <laughs> <laughs> the fuck, man? <laughs> you really do want to replace Rick? Yeah, seriously. He's definitely he's definitely crawling up the right tree there. Yeah, that wasn't a tree. That was my leg. Hello. Hello. Hey. It's just really hard to get a word in with you two going. It's I have to talk over top of someone to get you guys to shut up. <laughs> Well, it's yeah. not your goddamn podcast. <laughs> get your own podcast. I will get my own podcast. I'll get your I'll own podcast, your podcast, and then I'm not, not going to invite you on mine. I'll make fun of you on my podcast. I'll take my podcast with my three listeners, uh, post it on my blog with my 20 hits, and I'll show you who's mad. I'll, I'll go on the road and make fun of you across 20. the fucking country. Indeed. You see what Sammy brings to the show? You see what Sammy brings to the show? I have brought you in on schedule. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And, and it's, oh, fuck. All right. Okay, so. Go ahead, read yeah, it off. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, we got a question in the audience from. What? How the hell do you pronounce that? Crikey? Creek? Crick? I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess Creek. Creek? Really? Creek. Creek. Sounds, sounds like good. Creek. It's Crick. Crick. It's crick, crick. crick. Of course, okay, crick. That's all going to be edited out. Okay, we're going to start again. Okay, we got an... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go so I can get things set up. I'm still working on my legendary mace, the fucker. <laughs> and yet Matt got his. I read that. Uh, oh. Matt it. Matt, but Matt didn't do it with his own guild. But, but Matt got his before you, right? Yeah, but I'm doing it with my but, own guild because I want my entire guild to be legendary, not just. But Matt else. actually got his mace before you. He actually has the mace, correct? 
But but he actually has. If he takes a picture, he could take a screenshot of himself with a legendary mace, correct? And you don't have one of those yet, right? I I wish for you to be dying in a fire now, okay? Okay, But but it's. I'm just saying. (laughs) We should ask Matt. Hey, Hey, Matt, if you're listening, send a screenshot. I'd love to see a screenshot of you (laughs) with your legendary mace. And while you have an armory window open showing that Joe (laughs) doesn't. It's the simple. Bye, Joe. <laughs> Bye, you bastards. Good luck. <laughs> Fuck, it was like an hour went by that I didn't notice the time go by. And I'm like punching shit and running up buildings and like, what the fuck can I do next? And tossing freaking tanks all over the place. And and it's it was so goddamn cool. I, oh, 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 ran time. Okay, so... Uh oh! Uh oh! Record! Record! <laughs> oh! Oh! Dude, oh! Fucking rage! Hate! Hate Microsoft! If they'd have listened and given See, uh, me my goddamn machine back, wouldn't have this problem. I had to step it up in the second half. I, I saw that there was a hole in the show, so I had to just cut you guys off in the second half. <laughs> Anyways, the show will be on the on iTunes on the iTunes. The show will be on the iTunes. Yes, I'm 80 years old. Sound yeah, like my grandmother right. It'll be on the iTunes, iTunes on uh, Wednesday. Well, that, that's not a big selling point for me. Oh, great. You can't be Batman, but you get to be Robin. What the I don't think you that? can be Robin. There, if I, I don't think so. I don't think there's I know, enough lube in the world. I know, as an analogy. <laughs> oh, that's messed up, man. I was, like, I was telling all my friends at work on like Wednesday of last week. I'm like, yeah, I'm co-hosting a podcast <laughs> next week. There's other there's other guys applying. But, yeah, I, <laughs> okay, now I shouldn't have brought you on. I need a little cocky bastard. 